Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lionface Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we dive into one of my personal favorites, A Midsummer Night's Dream. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Shakespeare and at ShakespearePod on Twitter. And now, on with the show. If there's a single, it's it's the just single play because they fit really well in the back pocket of a pair of jeans. They sure do. And Lord knows you need to. And the penguin ones, the old penguin ones do too. Yeah. Ones that Grounds has a ton of. Yeah. Yep. The old penguin ones do. It's as when well. I needed my script for Twelfth Night, I went and bought one of those because I just keep it in my back pocket during rehearsal. Like two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Folgers are great for that because that's what I did for all of Henry Five. Yeah. And like as a duct tape spine now. Because I had a lot of lines in that play. Henry? Nah. Yeah, no, like, nah, all the fucking lines. <laughs> Not seven of them? All, all, like, the only person that has more lines than Henry V is Hamlet. I believe that. Like, percentage-wise. We, uh... Across, had, across all of Shakespeare, yeah. percentage-wise, Hamlet is the only one who beats Henry V. That's true. We had a couple of friends over this past week, and they really wanted to play Bard's Dispense Profanity. Yeah. Um, I still have not had a chance to play that. They don't really know Shakespeare at all. Which is even better. Which, yeah, made made things fairly funny sometimes. Um, but one of the last cards that they drew was Tennis Balls, My Liege. And it was something like, <laughs> the end of civilization as we know it will be caused by... And they played the tennis balls, and they didn't even understand why it was funny. So tennis I got to balls, explain, my liege. I got to explain to them why tennis balls, my liege, is even funnier in context. Yeah, in context, because I mean, an entire war was mm-hmm. basically started over tennis balls. My liege, my liege, and one grape is <laughs> one of the funniest cards in there. Henry really got upset about those tennis balls. He really did. He really did. Tennis Balls also played one of my favorite adaptations of a Shakespeare play. Rosa and Gilman sort of dead. The tennis scene is probably... The tennis scene is really good. The coin flipping scene is of particular... uh, It's one of my particular favorites. I'm excited for when we actually do Hamlet. Because of the adaptations and all the different things that are... Well, I mean, Rosa and Gilman sort of dead is probably one of the best... Adaptations ever of Shakespeare. It's uh, enough to do its own episode just off of comparing that. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we could do a double one because there's not too much to go back into themes for. But well, I mean, but I think we could do probably four total episodes on Hamlet, and one could just be and one of those could just be adaptations. This yeah. play also you has have the Zeffirelli. You have you know you have the good ones though. No, there's not. A, so the film, the film adaptation. The, from the straight film ad- is actually. I actually watched it today. I love um, it. I, no, I it's great. It. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Hey, yes. Uh, speaking of that adaptation, what uh, what show are we doing? Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. just so everybody knows. Uh, welcome to the Shakespeare podcast, and tonight we're going to be talking about 
A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yep, we promised that we would do a well-known We're show. doing a fan favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we did just pass Midsummer. Yes. Well, I, we passed the official start of summer. It is officially hot as bowls. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm not yep. turning the fan off. Was, I don't care about noise bleed. Oh, uh, I, I forgot <laughs> to turn it off. I don't care. It, 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 it honestly should if the be fan, fine. Famous last words. If the fan what? is detracting for you... Deal with it. It was a it's it was a hundred plus <laughs> degrees today with the heat index. Oh, my house was a crisp sixty nine. Mm, I, I was at work. Or, all, I was at work all day. Yeah. I got home. I rinsed the the sweat that happened just because I existed off of my body, and then immediately got in the cold ass pool because the water in the pool is like. 75? That sounds nice. amazing. That I, uh, it was cold. Yeah. It was cold as fuck, but it was just, delightful. I should have just gone to your house. I had to run errands today, and I deliberately ran them at 9 a.m. Because I knew if I waited any longer, it was going to be unbearable. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was ungodly 85 today. degrees out at 9 a.m. Yeah, it was... You know what? When I got to work this morning at 6.30, it was already 75. But yeah. you'll, you'll remember about 6... Actually, about 12 episodes ago now. That was 12 episodes ago, Beth. Where it was coming down so hard with snow that we were afraid of invaders and Chase had to wear the chain chain mail. Yeah. And I complained about it then, too, because temperature is stupid. (laughs) Cassie's like, I can whine about it being hot now, and I can whine about it being cold then. Watch me. It doesn't matter. Sorry about that. I often, like, I see people post things, and they're like, Oh, don't complain about the heat. If you complain about the heat, I don't want to see you complain about the cold. And my only response is... I complain about both. My only response is, I work outside. I can complain about whatever the fuck weather I want to. I walk everywhere. (laughs) I can complain and you can't stop me. If it's raining, if it's cold, you know. turn my car on before I leave work so the air kicks on. Yeah. Yeah. I did that today. It didn't help. (laughs) Yeah, it was... I mean, it was... By the time I left work today, this afternoon... It was it was beastly. So we are midsummer. Yes, we are. Summer. It is, and therefore it is the middle of who is summer. Talking? I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfhill, and I'm Chase Greenley. That's right. That is your cast. I suppose we're the cast. Yeah. Of vocal talent. The vocal talent of the Shakespeare podcast. If we're the cast, then if any of us ever have to miss and we get someone to sub in, they're not subbing they're the themselves. They are playing. <laughs> yeah, they're the Ryan Hatfield, yeah. They are playing Cassie Green. That yeah, only we get works our... as long as it's not Chase, because I don't know how to do what's on that side. <laughs> yeah. Chase is never allowed to miss. Right. So, just like in theater... You can sub out the actors all you want. But you cannot just, sub out the techs. you got to have the tech crew there. It's very true. They better come in 102 degree fever. Yeah. Nobody else knows how to hit yeah, we can Yeah, we, cannot, we cannot get rid of the techs. No. We require Chase. Don't you like being needed? It's nice. Is it? And on a similar note, I do want to hear uh, board president Kat uh, as Ryan for an hour. I'll have to miss an episode just so she can do that. I'm, I, I'm excited for We it. can do Twelfth Night and you can skip. How's that? Oh, God. I wish I could just skip Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> we, can re- we can redo it. Everybody else wishes I would have skipped <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Beth and I are happy to redo Romeo yeah, and Juliet. We'll talk about it. That play was garbage. 
We, that we, podcast is is probably the worst one we've recorded, but that's largely because I'm an asshole. Speaking of asses, that's <laughs> <laughs> hey, wow, that was actually <laughs> a good that. segue. I, I was just remembering, it's like I gotta write that. Gotta take that out. We can't be so. Oh no, too, too good a segue. <laughs> no, that segue is too good. Speaking of asses, too good. Yes, have, my favorite ass is in this play. It's true. So we have a, a fun play for you, full of fairies and a couple of fools. And, and actors for and the, actors. Me- the mechanicals. And for those of you who've been living under a rock, uh, let's do a plot summary. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the plot summary of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, you took. I notes. did. I took All right. Notes well, on this why one. don't you lead us in then? Okay, so we start off with Theseus, a duke, in the town of Athens. In the Greece. town of Athens, Greece, Theseus the duke is four days out from his wedding with Hippolyta of the Amazons. Yes, oh, queen of the Amazons. Queen Hippolyta. of the Amazons. Who he won with his abuse of her. Yeah, and she doesn't do much in this show. No, Neither does Theseus. <laughs> that's, well, yes, that's true. Neither one does jack or squat. That's okay, they're completely mirrored by uh, Oberon and Titania. Yeah. And actually a lot of the productions I've seen have had double casting, double casting mm-hmm. there where Oberon and Theseus and well, Hippolyta and Titania are We'll played. talk about that a little bit later because well. I have been I reread this play this week um, with a mind of putting it on for the village players as a parlor room comedy and the first thing I thought of is I will just double cast that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's the most common way to cast mm-hmm. those because then you give both sets of roles a little bit more to a you. little more volume. Yeah. And you also get to either you get to play up um more the similarities. The, yeah, between the two characters Which a lot. We will so their wedding is coming up in four days, and in the middle of all their wedding preparation, Aegeus comes storming in. Because nothing says, like, let's get ready for a wedding, like, make my daughter do what I want, or I kill her. Yeah, so Aegeus yes, comes, Aegeus in comes in with his, daughter, with his daughter and two men in tow, and yes. says, Duke, you need to do something about my daughter. I have promised her to this man, Demetrius. He is Who upstanding. Is a douche. He's, he's awful. He's upstanding, he's a good citizen, I have chosen him for my daughter, but my daughter has the gall to love this other guy who's been nice to her and written her poetry and has stolen her affection. This guy named Lysander, who, like... He is not much better. He's, 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 He's at least constant until he gets... He, fucked with by the fairies. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. He he doesn't do anything bad necessarily until. So he is as good there. as Demetrius. He's as good. They're oh yeah, yeah. yes. The same same ilk, same bone, same birth, same, birth. same birthing level. I mean, like they're both. as well be brothers, and he's yeah. got some sass on him, which I like. I like Lysander. You I like, like him. I do like that because at one point he's got a line with Demetrius. He's like Demetrius. You have her father's love. Let me have Hermia's. You can marry him. Yep. And it's just, it's just a great line. Yeah. Such a great line. So no, anyway, like, Lys- yeah. Lysander versus Demetrius. Lysander is a better choice. Yeah. Well, and Demetrius may have already had Helena. And that is one of Lysander's That's- points, is Demetrius was wooing Helena and made all these promises to her, and then all of a sudden you're saying... It, it pretty much sounds like he boinked her. He did. He well, did that, I mean, that's that's a, at the at the minimum, that's the implication. Yeah. Boink. But, so anyway, Aegeus so, yeah. comes in. Aegeus comes in, drags him in, he lays the problem before the Duke, and the Duke goes, okay... Daughter nobody, should follow their father's yeah. wishes. And, and 
Hermia is the daughter, and she is not really consulted in this at all. Theseus talks to Aegeus, he talks to Lysander, he talks to Demetrius, and finally Hermia goes, um, if I could be bold, yeah. can I interject for a second as you guys are deciding Excuse my me, fate? motherfucker. Can I know what the worst thing that you will do to me is? Because Aegeus is going on and on about how it's my right, she's my property, I can give her to who I want, or I'm going to have her killed. So Hermie wants to know, what's the worst that you would actually do to me? Because if it's just a zoning at this point, <laughs> bye, Dad. See you later. But Theseus says, you will have a choice of three options. You can marry Demetrius, you can die, or... You can choose to go live in a convent. You can go to a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. Those are the three choices that Theseus lays before her. And she she basically uh, argues with Theseus until he agrees to be reasonable. <laughs> uh, gives her until the day of his we- of of his wedding of his wedding to make a choice to decide whether she is going to marry Demetrius or choose death. So that's reasonable, apparently. But, but the other option the does come in, which, yeah, is, which is that she could also go to a convent, which is basically death. It is. Because she's never going to be allowed to marry or anything yeah. like that. Like, but then he does something interesting, which I made note of, which is he goes, Aegeus, Demetrius, I have some things I need to talk to you about. And he leads them out of the room, leaving Lysander and Hermia alone. To talk to each other. To talk to each other. And they hatch this plan. They say, we're going to we'll run away. <laughs> well, because Lysander, Lysander goes, has a magic ant. <laughs> exactly. I wrote the magic ant, ma- magic uncle. Oh, oh why couldn't it have been a magic ant? has got a magic ant. Lysander has a magic ant who lives outside of Athens. Lives in the woods. We're going to go run away to her. We'll run away. We'll get married. Everything. And if they get married outside of Athens, they'll be outside of Athenian law, so... She fine. can't be killed. Yeah, what Theseus says doesn't go. And so then we meet Helena, who happens to wander by. Who happens to show up when Hermia and Lysander are talking. And Helena is despairing of Demetrius, and she has this whole conversation with Hermia about, why does Demetrius love you and not me? I'm just as pretty as you. What do you do to make him love you? And You're Hermia's like... You're short and dark. Hermia says, I... I don't do shit. I'm horrible to him. I, I berate him. I tell him to leave me alone. So, but they let they decide that they're going to let Helena in on the plan because Helena wants Demetrius and Hermia and Lysander are like, well, shit, we're going to fucking skip town and get married, so and then yours. he's all yours. all yours. And we know that that always works well in every soap opera we've ever watched. And Helena, of course, ruins it all. She goes, I'm going to tell Demetrius of this because somehow telling him is going to win him to her favor. Ladies... That never works. No. If you tell a dude that the lady he likes is running away in the hopes that he'll be like, mm, well, she really doesn't love me that much, I'll take you since you're here. That's, that's, that's not going to work. Not it's not going to work, and it's also, it's not healthy. Yeah, not healthy. I'm yeah, sorry, definitely. are we talking about healthy relationships? When it comes <laughs> not to in this play. Look I at your wife, look at your choices. And that is, I'm not in any of Shakespeare's yeah. plays. That is scene one. Yep. So we meet the lovers. Act one, one, scene one. We meet all of the lovers because all the we lovers. meet. Well, we don't meet. Uh, we don't meet Hippolyta, but we do meet. Uh, is she? Is she? She's in the opening. Okay. Well, she, yeah, okay. We it's the, so brief that I forgot she was there. Well, that's where we get the. I won you with my skill and abuse of you, and I have wooed you by stopping hitting. You and in the face. Uh, hey, what's four days till our wedding? We could totally. Uh, 
do some stuff now. Yeah, we're that's practically true. married, and Hippolyta's like, nope. Hippolyta's so f- so little in the scene that I forget that she's in yeah. that scene. Well, why have? But Hippolyta has so few lines in this play; it's easy to forget that Hippolyta's in this play. It's true, and I've seen people who direct this do some interesting things with her, like strategically placed in the background while while Theseus is making these decisions. That yeah. she kind of stands there and like looks at him. And like gives him like the, and that's when he goes, or send you to a convent and not kill you. What? Give you four days because, to decide what? Because Hippolyta's given him the. Uh, yeah, so that's a directorial choice that I've seen made pretty frequently. Then we move on to scene two, which is where we meet which the is where we meet mechanicals, the best characters, the best characters in the play, in the show, hands down. Mm-hmm. So the mechanicals I, are uh, on, a, on a on a side note here. Um, growing up, this was the first Shakespeare play that I ever read. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to play Puck. You're too old now. I'm not. Yeah. Anyone can play Puck. Anyone it's a directorial chase. It's a directorial choice and actor choice. Directorial chase. What up, directorial chase? <laughs> I mean, look, maybe someday. Um, <laughs> but the older I get, and the older, like, actually, for the last ten years of my life, I realized that the best character in this play is Bob. And I would give anything for someone to direct this play, and I could play Bob. Because he is the best role in the show, and we meet him in Act 1, Scene 2. Everything goes right? 2020. Mm-hmm. Midsummer. We're done. All right. So, we meet the Mechanicals, and the Mechanicals are just this group of handymen, basically. Yeah, they're, they're workmen. They're, they're workmen. They're, they're, they're skilled craftsmen. Who, in their spare time, apparently like to put on little plays. <laughs> Which, okay, well, I we wonder if that's, that. that's, yeah. that's autobiographical. <laughs> yes. Because um, we're a group of disparate people who like to put on little plays. We like to put on a few little plays here and there. So they have the opportunity to potentially... Perform at the Duke's They have a wedding. chance. They have a chance to perform way. if they can get something together in time. Yep. So, and if they can, if they can work it out, and there because there's going to be multiple performers, but they have a shot. So Peter Quince is the leader of the Mechanicals. God bless Peter Quince. I love Peter Quince. I He's love great. Peter. Quince. I love. Well, I love all of the Mechanicals. They're all delightful. So Peter Quince reminds me. I was going to say Peter Quince reminds me of any leader of any theater troupe I've been a part of. Yes. yes. Specifically, like the most, the, the most recent, the past president of the Village Players, Jason, trying to like talk over people and get people to do a normal thing. Hey guys, let's yeah. do this show. So yeah, he's trying. Come on, come on. He's, he's trying, trying to lead so his theater hard. troupe, and then there's Bottom, who's telling him how to do his job. He's telling everybody else how to do their jobs. And so Peter's trying to call the role, and Bottom's like, you should call the role. Call each man by his name to make sure he's here and give him his part. Which, and of when, course, is what Quince is trying is to do. trying to do. And Quince goes, we're going to perform, you know, this play, the the tragical comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. And Bottom goes, oh, yes, great play. I've read it. It's a fantastic work. And then as soon as Peter gives him his part, he goes, yes, This- uh, Pyramus. What is Pyramus? Because he has no idea. Yeah. No, but God, what happens in this scene though is There's also always one of those. Yes, the way the way that he goes through the like one of my favorite things about Bottom in this scene is the way that he goes through when he's talking about uh, uh, how he could play Thisbe. Yes, I could play. He could play any role, and he's like. Well, I could play this role as like the suckling of a nightingale, you know. When he's talking about the lion, and you know, like yeah. 
He can play and, every part. Oh, Pyramus, there's me dear and lady dear. Yeah. He's just so... <laughs> he's just... He's fucking delightful, okay? Well, I'm sorry. I would like for you to speak only in that voice. Uh, okay, I, well, I've done... For the, the rest of when the we, time when we that get, I know When we get to the Pyramus but when I was in college, we did the... My friend Bear and I, for forensics, which was, you know, like... College... Debate. Speech and debate, plus there's extemporaneous, plus there's, like, dramatic interpretation. Well, my friend Bear and I in college, we did a dramatic interpretation of the Pyramus and Thisbe scene from this play as a dramatic interpretation. Like, we did Pyramus and Thisbe, the play. Which, it was delightful. I was Pyramus, he was Thisbe. Love it. You could have eventually, I could have been Thisbe. I could have. Eventually they assign all of the parts, but the parts that get assigned in the scene are not the parts people end up playing, for the most part. So Bottom is playing Pyramus, who's the great hero. Uh, flute, the... The joiner. Snug the joiner. Flute, the bellows mender. Flute, the bellows mender, all yes. All of their names right. have to do with what they are. Yeah. With what their jobs are. Yeah, yeah sorry, Snug the joiner. Yes, yeah, Snug the Snug joiner plays is the, lion. the lion. Yes. If oh, you have the lion's snug. part written out, give it to me. For I am, I am slow of study. <laughs> I should mention that this is probably the show I will have the most to say about because I've been in it twice, both times as Snug. I would cast you as Snug. He's like be, a yeah, snug. You're, you're a good Snug. You're he's a good just snug. A snug. Snug is a huggable character. He's just... Oh, no. Yeah, not nah, you ruined it. It did. It's over now. Actually, it was your dog that ruined it. Yeah. You were good, and then you... But no, 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 no. Like, all of the mechanicals... Honestly, in all in, in in my personal opinion, like the mechanicals are the fun of the show. <laughs> they are the reason to do this show. If you were an actor, okay, yes, okay, Hermia, Helena, Lysander, Demetrius, they carry a you'll, cock. You'll get more lines as any of the other ones, unless but if like you want bottom, if you want to have a good time and you want to put on a fun play. Be one of the mechanicals. Yeah. Well, the rest of it is just a comedy of errors with some fairies in the middle. But the 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 it's the, the best part the best part of this show relatable is the mechanicals and what especially relatable to theater people because yeah it is the play within a play in this is and so, you get to see like the whole rehearsal process. Yep. And everybody everybody involved in the theater knows a Nick Bottom. Oh yeah! Everybody, Everybody knows, knows a bottom. A Everybody knows a snug. Yeah, I know several snugs. Oh yeah, I know several snug the joiners. Yep. I know Chase Greenlee. I know Pat Muffet sometimes when he early on Pat yeah. Muffet. And I got Pat Muffet say... now not as much, but Pat when he first started acting, I'd make him bottom. Pat well no but, hilarious. But bottom. when he first started acting, he was totally snug the joiner because he, especially Shakespeare, he like Joe Connolly would have also a perfect snug the joiner. But um, one of the highlights for me, I've seen this play. Many and like times. Joe has done a ton of Shakespeare now, so yeah. I've yeah. seen many productions of this play, um, professional and otherwise. But I got to say, one of the highlights for me was watching my brother Jeffrey <laughs> play Peter Quince against Justin Betancourt's Bottom. That's yeah, oh yeah, that was was in that show. I was yes. gonna say that just sounds like their normal. <laughs> is their normal? Well, yeah, that is Jeffrey and, and Justin's normal relationship. But it was like, so delightful uh, to watch. Justin, you should probably go to sleep at some point. You need it for no. It's time for me to retire. I need it sleep. 
fun. Okay, so yeah, so we meet the the mechanicals. Um, the parts are assigned, and that's the end of Act One. Yep, they're all going to play very specific roles, and some of them we don't even really actually see play their roles, but right. So then we move on to Act Two, where we introduce supernatural elements. Yes, so where so all of a sudden there are fairies. Right. So there are three plays running at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's that's very very true. There's so, the romance play. Yeah. So there's the lovers. There's the mechanicals, and then there's the fairies, and they mm-hmm. all have their own story arc. They just and they all intertwine. Yeah, they all intertwine by the end. Of the by the and end really, of the end. really, the mechanicals and the lovers are the least intertwined. Yeah, because they only overlap at the end. They only overlap at the wedding, at yeah. the reception. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's but the fairies, the fairies that tie everything really together. tie everything together. We start Act Two with Puck. And several of the fairies, and basically their conversation amounts to uh, mom and dad are fighting again. Yes, because over on Entertainia are arguing. They've been arguing for a while. Which brings up, which brings us to the main theme beer of tonight. We have we have other beers. Yes. Tied, but the main theme beer of tonight is. Oberon by Bell's Brewery out of... There's no uh, question that it, it just is so spot on the nose. I mean, it's... You could not. It's a beautiful we, summer beer. Yeah. And we, it we is also... have it for this. Yeah, yeah, it's also named Oberon, which is one of the, you know, main characters of the play. Yeah. And you and can so, have summer beer this and midsummer beer that, but it's not going to be as... Nothing is as Midsummer Night's Dream as this beer. And no one, no other beer in at least Ohio is so sought after that people start asking for it in February. Well, and, yeah, especially because it's released in March and you can't get it past like, July. Yeah, we're coming to the end of it. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're getting close to the end of Oberon season, so... They, I even saw somebody at, uh, was it a doctor's office? Somebody had Oberon chapstick. Like, it's so big that there's, like, you can buy Oberon t-shirts and Oberon Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's brewed, like, three hours from here. Which mm-hmm. is great. I understand In that. In Grand Rapids, Michigan. But there's other, like, there's the Great Lakes Brewery is close to here as well. I can't Yeah, but they don't, brew this, they don't brew this beer. No, they don't. This no, beer, but they that's do what I, that's have my Christmas point. Ale, which is real good. It's not. That is my point. Wrong. Okay, we're not fighting about Christmas beers. Derailed for the Christmas beer in midsummer. We're gonna keep no such thing as a good Christmas beer. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on, moving on. But anyway, yeah, sorry, I had to bring up that that was the the, the main theme beer of tonight is Bell's Oberon. So Bell's, if you're listening, which you're not, I challenge you to make a Titania beer (laughs) just so they can have a war. Yeah. I like that. I'd be happy that. Thank you. Thank but you. they are Oberon and Titania, the king and queen of the fairies, are, Art mm-hmm. are uh, fighting a tart at this I point. I really enjoy a tart saison. Oberon and Titania <laughs> are fighting at this point. I'm sorry, are you trying to put this train back on its tracks, Fancy? <laughs> so hard. Okay, so Oberon and Titania are fighting at this point. They're fighting over a child uh, that was left, a changeling child that was left in Titania's care by one of her handmaidens. Yes, the who blue changeling away. child. And Oberon wants him to be his henchman, and Titania's like, no. He's you like, can't have him. You can't have this eight-year-old boy that was yeah. given to me. He is young. You can't have him yet. And so Oberon decides to be an absolute dick about it. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, fine. Then He's I'm going to hatch this sick. plan to uh, introduce chemicals into your system to publicly humiliate you 
and distract you so that I can steal the boy away from you. Let me roofie you. (laughs) Yes. So this entire, like, juice of the poppy in the eye all comes from the want of one Cupid, one dude... To steal a child. To yeah. steal an eight-year-old boy from his ex-wife. <laughs> well, yes. Current, current wife. All right, all right, fine. His estranged wife. Just... Realistically, when you're immortal, you you're estrange, gonna and then you're going to come back. It's... All right, well, his currently estranged wife. Yes. There you go. So he's, he's sent Puck to go find this magical flower that when you put it on the eyelids of a sleeping person, the next thing that they see, living thing that they see, they will fall helplessly in love with. Yes, as struck by Cupid's arrow. As struck by Cupid's arrow. So he sends Puck to get it, and then Demetrius and Helena enter the woods looking for Lysander and Hermia and arguing, and Oberon decides to watch them and listen yeah, to their He's going to have a good time. He's going to find out what's going on. And so, basically, Demetrius is saying, will you please leave me alone? Please stop following me. I've told you many times I don't like you. I'm here to find Hermia. Stop following me around. And Helen is really depressingly pathetic in this scene. <laughs> and aren't I pitiable to you? Yeah. Use me You're like you use your spaniel. Me, you harsh-hearted uh, admirer. Use, yes, you use me like you, you use, use your, your spaniel. spaniel. And I, I just... I mean, how does he use his spaniel? With gusto. With gusto. Yes! No! You've now been working with me long enough. Yes! (laughs) That made made my heart hurt. That was unfortunate. (laughs) That made my heart hurt. Anyway, and... and Make you gross yet. At first when I was rereading this, I was thinking, man, Helena's a lot more irritating than I remember her No, Helena's always irritating. but, But if you look at this scene a little closer... You can kind of understand it because he was wooing her. He was, he you know, was involved. Wooing her, and yes. he, he told her, hey, I'm going to marry you. Let's sleep together. They slept together. And then he's like, no, I want that one. And so she's probably been sullied in the eyes of the community. <laughs> I know. I know. But in the eyes of the community, she's probably seen as being damaged goods. And so she's kind well, of... Well, and in her own eyes, because she fell hard. She, she fell hard for him. So I, she's... Irritating, and she's depressingly pathetic, and I want to give her a hug, but I do sympathize with her. She's a sad puppy. Because she was treated very wrongly. Yes, she was. And so for some reason... And Demetrius is a cockbag. He's awful. He's the worst. He's awful. So he just abandons her in the woods. And for some there, reason... There, like, there are a lot of male characters in this that are the worst. Yeah. Oberon, Demetrius, right up there. Yeah. Aegeus is not, not, not a good great. guy either. Not great. Not great. No. But so Oberon overhears this, and Oberon decides, for some reason, I'm going to help that that Athenian maiden. I'm feeling He's generous. He's like, I'm going to help Helena out. I'm going to help her out. So when Puck returns, he says, okay, I'm going to take some of this, and I'm going to go visit Titania. You're going to take some of this. There's an Athenian male and female wandering around, and they're angry with each other. Just one. Can't miss them. You'll know them by the Athenian garments they're wearing. Can't screw that up. <laughs> Put this on, on his eyes when the next thing he sees will be her. Because I'm going to do a good deed for these mortals. No way to screw that up. No, no way not. to screw it up. No. Easy peasy. Lemon squeeze. And that scene one of act two. And these scenes, are, these acts are actually really helpful because there's only two scenes per There's two per scenes act. per act pretty much so the it's, whole it's play. So it's really a very straightforward play. Yes. Um, in scene two, we meet... You only get half and half. You get, you get yeah, oh, yeah. this is what's happening with this half. This is what's happening with this. Yeah. This is our Titania chapter. Yeah, so yeah. you get to Titania. She sends her fairies away. Her fairies sing her to sleep. 
Peas blossom and peas mustard seed. And cobweb and yep. muff. Don't make fun of No, I love them. I love the fact that our fairies have goofy-ass names. <laughs> yeah. My mother, fun fact, um, does clown ministry. Yep, I knew that. Yes, and she took the name of her clown persona from the fairy of Midsummer, and she is Cobweb the Clown. I like that. So it is Cobweb, Peas Blossom. And Peas Blossom, so mustard, mustard Seed, seed and, and Moth. Moth. Although my edition had a note that said it would have been pronounced moat, like a moat of dust. Like a moat of dust, or like, yeah. Oh, a mode of light. like the insect. I feel like that would have been a, a lot of the times. The, one, the, quiz. the ones that people remember are peas blossom, peas blossom yeah. mustard seed, and cobweb. Yeah, well, they don't. They don't never remember moth. That's because Puck calls out. Yes, he yeah. specifically calls out peas blossom, mustard seed, and cobweb. So if Puck says it, we remember it. Yeah. So Oberon drugs Titania while she sleeps. Well, he does have one of the best speeches in all the worst. He is the worst. Nothing says I love you. Let's get back together. Honey. Like some roofies. Like some roofies. <laughs> After so, I steal your child. <laughs> I'm gonna roofie you and take your baby. <laughs> and then we're gonna get back together. I'm gonna take your chains and baby. It's a magic baby. It's a magic It's not baby. a rich baby. We cannot get away from magic babies. So then we have Lysander and Hermia. They're in the woods. They've been walking in the woods all day. Lysander does not know the way, it turns out, to his widowed aunt. So they start arguing about how to get to the magic aunt's house. And they're like, let's stop for the night. Let's sleep. I'm going to sleep over here. You sleep over there. Lysander tries to convince her, I can sleep a little closer. Baby, let's let's sleep a little closer. It's like, and Hermes like, no, but baby, it's cold outside. You're sleep, gonna sleep over sleep there. Like, sleep like next to each other. Like you can keep your pants on. Yeah. They sleep separate, you know, and then Puck comes in and goes, "Oh, male, female, a female. Here we go." Let's, so he, let's drop some shit. I'm not saying that Puck made a like he made a mistake clearly, but I'm not it's saying Oberon's fault. it was not it's Puck's not fault. fault. It's not Puck followed his instructions. So he anoints Lysander's eyes, and then Demetrius and Helena enter, arguing still. And Puck's like, shit! <laughs> oh! And Demetrius starts off. You didn't off. tell me we're this close to Athens and their Athenian garb, you dumb- Ugh! Bosses are the worst! How many people could be wearing Athenian garb in this woods right outside of Athens? <laughs> All of them. All of shit. them. Shit! Motherfucker. <laughs> So, what, how could we best fix that? Uh, let's, let's, let's do the other guy, too. Let's, let's, hit, let's well, hit him, first too. First of all, Demetrius leaves, and Lysander wakes up, sees Helena, and immediately starts espousing. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. And Helena thinks it's all some horrible, mean, cruel joke. She and this is why I really feel bad for her, because she's she like... She thinks he's being a dick. Yeah, she she's thinks like, she's are you seriously, yeah. like, you're seriously mocking me after everything that I've been through, and now I've been abandoned in the woods, and you are seriously going to sit there and mock me. Yeah, you son of a bitch. She gets very upset. Um, She leaves following Demetrius. He leaves following her. Hermia wakes. She's all alone. By herself. <laughs> Completely by herself. Does not know what has happened. And that's the impact, too. Yep. So these scenes of sleeping and waking in the woods, which they do a lot. Frequently. More than I would say is necessary for the time frame which things happen. Otherwise, they're walking a really far way in the woods. Like, doesn't take 
They didn't go very far in the woods. They, they went keep, far enough. They just keep walking in circles. Well, because they're, I mean, I they're lost in the Athenian so woods. all of these sleeping and waking up is why I picked the beer Ho Garden. Which Ho Garden. garden which Ho Garden. It's because they're all a bunch of hoes out in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Belgian beer. It's Ho Garden. Your face is a Ho Garden. You're a Ho. <laughs> That's my point, that they're all Ho's. <laughs> it's just a garden of Ho's. Anyway. And anyway, everybody's trying to sleep with everybody. That, that beer yeah. is not related. It doesn't work. So when we started, when we entered the woods... But well, we should get that beer out of the freezer. I'm getting it right now, actually. That's when, we, when we entered the woods, we had two men in love yes, with yes. Hermia. Yeah. So Hermia's in love with Lysander. Lysander's in love with Hermia. Demetrius is in love with Hermia. Helena's in love with Demetrius. Now at the end of Act 2, we have... The wonderful love square going on. Because Hermia is in love with Lysander, who's now in love with Helena, who's in love with Demetrius, who's in love with Hermia. Thank you. For those who are only listening and not watching this podcast, uh, there were hand motions. Cassie has made a delightful chart. She has a laser pointer. Um, There are post it notes involved. I believe that things will be moving and changing. You are are mocking me right now, but in about 20 seconds, I can go and get all of those materials except the laser pointer. (laughs) I should have brought mine down. It is very much like that scene from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. She, yeah, she could have I'm just going to pull down the wall and it's going to lift up and. Spoiler. I need to get you an overhead projector screen. Yeah, like one of those. But we get machines. we get we get into this is this is one of the best parts because Titania is asleep. Yeah, we and do. then Bottom and all the other mechanicals start to rehearse. They have decided to come into the woods to rehearse, to so, rehearse no one so that no them. one can see them and I guess steal their idea. Or they want to steal their nobody wants they don't want anybody to steal their bit. Yeah. Well, also. I mean, come I'm on, sorry, Pyramus and Thisbee, is that, I mean, that's hot shit. Like, you know, how hard, you know how hard it is to find rehearsal space inside a busy city? Uh, that's true. true. It's yeah. very true. Cheap showiness of outdoors affords many a good actor cheap rehearsal space. Mm-hmm. And, so, and yeah. I mean, come on, they are doing the tragical comedy of Pyramus and Thisbee. Yeah. Which I believe relates very closely to the tragical comedy of Troilus and Cressida. Actually, it's more Romeo it's more and Juliet. Yeah, but same thing Kate. with with the like lion bear plot points from as you like it. Yes, oh no, Winter's Tale, Winter's, <laughs> Tale, Winter's yeah. Tale, Winter's Tale esque uh, lion attack. So is it that somebody was like Shakespeare? These are all the ridiculous things about your play. And he's like, fine. I'm gonna put them all in them? this play. You can make fun of all of them. I bet you can't ever make all your ridiculous stuff work in one play. I can. I bet you. I enough. bet you I can. Instead of a lion, I'm gonna have a bear try to eat these people. <laughs> or instead of a bear, I'm gonna have a lion try to eat these people. So they're having the rehearsal. It is not going well. To put it kindly, snout, for the sake snout of snout is afraid. No, snout is uh, afraid that they're gonna be uh, women will be terrified of his performance as a lion. Well, bottom like, starts at no, my. Snout. I have That's my. Lion. I no, have snout my. Is the lion. My note like down here. Snout is a wall. Snout also worries the women may be afraid of his performance as the lion. That's Ryan reading from his cheat sheet. I did. I he can't I, can't beat his crib sheet. I am looking at my crib sheet. All right, well, I'm going to also continue looking at my crib well, sheet. I could be wrong. My, my cheat yeah. sheet could be wrong, too. I could have typed something wrong. Bottom no. starts it. Because Bottom starts the rehearsal going, 
I don't like this part where Pyramus kills himself on the sword because there will be ladies in the audience and they cannot handle they might be their upset. delicate natures. Ugh. So we need to add a prologue. I have my note is bottom is the original mansplainer. Oh yeah, he we totally need to add a prologue to explain Actually, to all of them. Cassie. <laughs> Sorry. That did you just try to mansplain Cassie about mansplaining? I, I did. That was the joke. Yeah. Thanks for mansplaining <laughs> my joke. I didn't mansplain it. I was asking. It was a clarification splaining, <laughs> apparently. But you know, so, so let's write a prologue. So apparently, the solution to every problem is to write a prologue for the show. So by the time oh, they started like seventeen prologues. Yes. Yeah. So there's a prologue explaining that we're actors and we're not really killing ourselves with swords. There's a prologue explaining... It's not really a lion. It's not really a lion. It's just a guy pretending a guy. to be a lion. He's a guy playing a lion. There's a prologue. And then Peter Quince gets caught up in this. And he goes, you know, there are two problems. They're supposed to meet by moonlight. And I don't know how we get moonlight in the chamber. <laughs> because so we have to have a guy who climbs a ladder and holds a lantern. It's like, and there has to be a wall. And Bottom's like, have somebody play the part of the wall. Shink, shink. That's why I love every time I see... And then Puck shows up while they're doing this and turns Bottom's head into Into an To be fair, he was already... He was already an ass. No, he just brought out his inner ass and made it his outer ass. So, uh, Puck gives Bottom an ass his head. His entrails became his extrails. Thank you. All the other mechanicals get scared away. Because he's a because fucking he's hee-hawing a- all over the place. <laughs> and my other note is, how thick do you have to be to not notice that you've been given an ass's head? If you are already an asshole. Okay, Nick Bottom is so full of himself. <laughs> that That's one of the things that makes Bottom so much fun, though. Yeah. Is because he's such a jackass. He's arrogantly he blind. And he, when the queen of the fairies sees him and falls madly in love with him, his thought is, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that, that fucking makes sense. That I mean, yeah. has, have you seen me? That's like, of course. That, that fucking stands. He has both That's the legit. charms and the looks. Why wouldn't a fairy queen? Also, he doesn't necessarily understand what a fairy queen is. Nobody knows. No, she's but he, beautiful. he is confused. Right, so, so I'm going to ask you. He's, he's confused, but he's like, Chase. I, need, I can roll with this. I need to ask you a question. Okay. As a dude. Yeah. I know you're a dude too, Ryan. Don't worry. But as a dude, who I didn't. I love to clarify that I am also a dude. Thanks. Yes. Don't worry. Um, let's say. You're walking through the woods. Your friends mm-hmm. have left you. You're walking through the woods, and all of a sudden, you come across a bed and a lady. Uh huh. And she's like, "You should get in this bed with me." Do you get in the bed, mm-hmm. or do you go? I. You can't. Don't. Don't. Don't, don't put really my new chase on no. my spot. It's white. <laughs> it's white. <laughs> Here. She is looking at me Re- okay. pointedly. Rewind ten years. <laughs> Chase is walking through the woods. Okay, single Chase. Yeah. Pre- we didn't, Cassie we didn't know each other ten yeah. years ago. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Ten you years. get in the bed. I didn't know you ten years ago. I don't think. When did How? I do, when did I do this, is, this is a really important question. <laughs> How Magical does the situation like? Is it very obvious that magic is at work? No, no, no! I run screaming. Okay. If oddly enough, if magic is at work, that makes it better. No, he's lying. So if he's a twenty-year-old guy, no, I knew Chase. I knew Chase ten years ago. 
Because I direct Titus Andronicus yeah. ten years ago. Yeah, just about ten. And I met the Chase Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that name's ten years old. That name is ten years old. Oof. And that Chase Greenlee, he would have betted down with a fairy queen. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say here's the thing. The Chase Greenlee I know that ten Chase years Greenlee. ago is a twenty year old dude. That's true. Girl in a bed. Alright. Yeah. In the middle of but, the woods. But Bottom is older than that, presumably. He no, yeah, Bottom is, like, at least in his 30s, maybe 40s. Yeah. I just think that we should not get into random magic lady. <laughs> if a magical lady comes in, every every time I can think of a magic random you lady... You can't be king with some tartness in a fucking lake through a sword at you. <laughs> Apparently that's how we decide the king of England. I, well, I know, yeah. It's some fucking tartness in a lake dispensing swords. Think back to all of the times where magical woman comes in and guy sleeps with magical woman how long does well. it last the first thing that came up in my mind was Bordello of Blood which is a terrible movie oh he god what the fuck he doesn't last long Bordello of Blood that's, that's like, the first one that came to mind that's, that's the shitty sequel to fucking oh god that's terrible it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the Tales from the Crypt movies. No, but Bordello of Blood is the shitty sequel to uh, uh, the Antonio Banderas no, vampire movie. Yeah, it no, is. it's not. Bordello. No, Bordello of Blood is the sequel. <gasps> Alright, we're done. Okay, anyway. That will sidetrack. I'll show you later. It's a Tales from the Crypt movie. Anyway. Still a shitty sequel to that movie. Don't sleep with magical women in the forest is... That's the moral of the, the story. The moral of Act 3 scene. No matter how many fairy ladies try to bang you in the woods, don't do it. <laughs> Actually, let's put that on a pin. Don't bang fairy ladies. Mm, don't bang the fairy so, lady. Then we move on to Act 2, which is... Not Act 2. Scene 2 of Act 3, which is Puck reporting back to Oberon. I gave this like, dude I a donkey's totally head, this. and that's what Tanya's in love with. And Oberon's like... Brilliant. Perfect. You are brilliant. I love you. I fucking love it. And then the lovers enter, and Oberon goes, Puck, you done fucked up. You screwed this? I you know, screwed I the know. pooch on this I one. figured it out. He's like, you screwed the pooch on this one. So Hermia is enters with Demetrius, demanding to know where Lysander is, because she we thinks... Do, we do get a great scene out of this between Hermia and Helena. We do. No, we get a great scene. Um... And but, actually, yeah, the scene, the relationship between the two girls is one of the things that I think saves those two characters. Yeah. Especially the scene that starts here, where we get the mud, like the fight between the two of them. Mud wrestling was an edition of the 1998. Well, yeah, the 1998, but the fight in, in but and the of fight itself. Is there. Uh, but the mud wrestling fight, though, makes it better. It's, no, it's true. I'm not if arguing. If mud wrestling, it's better. But the 1998 movie had a lot of. Well, the added nudity. There wasn't um, any nudity in that scene. Ryan, I watched this movie today. There is nudity. Okay, okay. I'm a dude, and I do not remember any nudity in that movie. It's not graphic. It's not graphic nudity. I remember every titty I've they, ever seen. Okay. <laughs> it's not graphic in the sense that they cover everything very well, but there are definitely fully naked people on screen. Well, I mean, they're, like, in muddy, like... No, at the end, there are strategically placed flower petals. But there are four fully... Okay, like I said, it's, it's been a while since I've seen anyway. the film adaptation, but that particular film adaptation... Either way. Anyway. I don't remember, so... I don't remember any boobies. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway. He's got a notebook full of them. 
Hermia is demanding Demetrius tell her what he did with Lysander because she thinks he's killed Lysander. Yeah. And Demetrius is like, why would I kill him? I mean, then I could I couldn't make you love me if I killed you, I dude. Could, I could. I'm gonna entice you away in other ways. Well, no, but they're both trying to woo Helena. Not yet. Not yet. That's soon. Demetrius, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's coming. Yes. Yeah, sorry. because Oberon watches this shit show. And that's happening. when Oberon decides to step in. And he goes, Picks, Puck, go fix the mistake. And the mistake is not to remove from Lysander's eyes. No, it's, it's no, to go add the to the other guy first. It's to it add to Demetrius. Always easier to put another layer on than to take a layer off. Mm-hmm. So let's just... What? So Oberon douses You can Demetrius. always add more clothes if you get cold. You cannot take enough clothes off. Otherwise, you're running around naked. Like there in the 1998 <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any nudity, but I, like I said, I, I could be wrong. I'm you, willing to accept that. That's Strategically okay. placed okay flower petals. Okay, oh, you I don't just, see anything, but they are quite clearly not clothed. Anyway. I mean, Crystal Flockhart was pretty big at the time. I don't think she would have done a nude scene. She's still really tiny. No, she was popular at the time. Allie. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Puck brings Helena. God damn it. And now Demetrius, with the dousing, sees Helena. And so now we've completely swapped our love triangle. So now it's Hermia who's alone with nobody loving her because the two boys are now fixing on Helena. And they are competing to prove how much they love her. And Helena's like, stop it. Stop mocking me. Well, because she still thinks thinks it's a a cool joke. And she now thinks that, that... Hermia has put them up to it. She thinks that Hermia is involved, even though Hermia had nothing to do with any of this. It was all Oberon and Puck. Yes, but you're not. They don't know about the fairy dudes in the forest. No, that's true. And my first thought when I'm blaming people is never fairies in the forest. (laughs) It should be more often, honestly. It really should. But That's yeah, what I so do. instead of Arizona barking spiders, I'm gonna now blame your toots on fairies in the forest. I blame fairies in the forest for everything Chase Greenlee does. Mm. But yeah, so Helena accuses her Hermia of this. She's like, if you're involved in this, please tell them to stop. And please stop. This isn't nice. This is And Hermia doesn't know cruel. what the shit she's talking about. And so then Hermia decides, despite that, that Helena has somehow bewitched the boys away from so her. So we get a knockdown drag out. And so then Helena, who seconds ago was like, dude, stop, this is horrible. So now she's like, okay, if you really love me, protect me from her because she scares me. I met with her. I was in school with her. I've seen the crazy shit she does when she gets mad. She's going to gouge my eyes out. Though she be little. Though she be but little, she be, she be fierce. fierce. It's a great line. So... Here. It's one of the what is one of the best lines in all of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Though she be but little, she be fierce. And because I think Hermia clearly from this scene is very sensitive about her height. Because Helena makes some comment that I wouldn't take as a dig at her height, and Hermia's like, "Are you calling me short? Did you say you short? Call me bitch? short, short and brown." And so then, of yep, course, she's Helena, short, she's short yeah, and brown. Yeah, short and brown, and like you, you painted maple, and you know. Oh, she starts going it's back like, at it's Helena. It's a major cat Yeah, then they start fucking each other up. So, when I was rereading this, I started to think about, has Shakespeare really let women loose into a cat fight? Because I have seen multiple times at all of the different ages I have been, women do this. Oh, they will throw down. I have seen... I them. worked in bars for a decade. I guarantee you. I've been a woman for three. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, I've seen more cat fights than you have. But That might not be true, but it's probably accurate. 
It is accurate. Drunken drunken women fight a lot. I I'm aware. So this is the most human I've seen him allow women to be. Now it's also this very like especially with the mud fighting. This very it's still like ludicrous. sexist view of women. But it is something. I mean, you've seen this happen. Yeah. Women get at each other. And it doesn't have to be over dudes. I've seen women get into cat fights over lipstick. Like, over freaking nothing. Yelling, screaming in matches where... And they're trying to fucking claw each other's Yeah, even in professional, rela- in professional settings. There was... I work at a bank. And one teller came for another teller. Fists flying over a Saturday off. I'm like, whoa! Hello, adults. And these are like... <laughs> Calm your shit. Settle your noise. One was in her 50s and one start, was in her 40s. I'm going to start trying to settle arguments that way. Hello, adults. It's like very pointedly. I, I say it often at work. And yeah. I, no, I think we are right. adults. Knock it off. Actually, it's more, most often it's settle your noise. I'm done with you. Mm. But and either way, yeah. yeah. So these four no. get basically into like a massive knockdown drag out fight. The, the boys, boys are going to duel. The, the girls, girls are going to yeah. duel. And eventually Oberon turns to Puck and goes, look what you did. You fucked this up. Go fix it. So Puck spends the rest of the night leading all four, keeping them separate, but leading them on a merry chase by talking to them. And that's when the fog comes the in. The fog comes in. And it's basically to exhaust them so that they can all drop down dead. And then he goes and removes the magical potion from Lysander. And I really love what they did in the 1998 with Stanley Tucci playing Puck, which is amazing. Oh, Stanley Tucci is probably the best Puck I've ever seen. Yeah, no, he's fantastic because he can do no wrong. He's perfect. Um, In literally everything. But he goes over with the flower and he goes, and I'll remove this from it. And he goes to the wrong one again. And then has to stop and go, no, from your eyes, this one, this one. Got to get the right deal I, this I, time. Okay, I saw, I saw the 98 in theaters. Mm-hmm. At the Clozelle, actually. Huh. Oh, yeah, because you're a townie. I'm not a townie, I'm a local, but that was back when the Clozelle still showed movies. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I actually saw in theaters the 1998 uh, film version at the Clozelle here in Bowling Green. It was the, might be the last movie I ever saw at the Clozelle. No, we went to go see one of the Star Wars there. I don't remember. I, I mean, I, aside from like Rocky Horror and, and stuff there was like a, that, we went to see one of the Harry Potters there too. I didn't. Mm. Oh yeah, you would have. Never mind. I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the magic is done. Everything's been reversed with the lovers. They're gonna sleep it off. They're going to wake in the morning and they're going to think this was all some weird-ass dream. And Demetrius is still going to be in love with Helena and not really know why, and he's going to be doomed to live this horrible, fake relationship brought on by magic drugs. I forgot that it was Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Demetrius yes. was played by Christian Bale. Oh, I Demetrius was I Christian Bale, and, uh, and Helena was close to Flockhart. And I remember it was the hot British guy that I super liked. Rupert Everett? Rupert Everett no, was no. Oberon. Um, Dominic West. Dominic West is Lysander. Okay, I don't even know who the fuck Dominic West is. He's the actually, he's a nobody. He's an everybody. No, he's a nobody. Because Rupert Everett is in this. And I'm sorry, Everett if you don't Everett. think Rupert Everett is a hot shit, then you're wrong. He is hot, but Dominic <laughs> and West And Michelle hot. Pfeiffer is, uh, is Titania. Titania. And Stanley Tucci is Puck. Is Puck. And Rupert Everett is way hotter than Lysander. Richard You're wrong. Straight, straight and straight. He's in. I don't know, but Kevin Klein. Kevin plays Klein is Bob. David Strait. 
Dude, yeah, and oh, uh, he's on the new expanse, yeah. and it's strange to and see Disney. Roger Reese, beloved Roger Reese, may he rest in peace. Um, plays Peter Quince, he plays Quince, yeah, amazingly. Yeah, and I love actually, that was the movie like I had seen Kevin Klein and other things, mm-hmm. but that was actually the movie that made me fall in love with Kevin Klein as an actor. Oh, that's too bad. I don't, I've seen him in a lot of other things, but that was the movie that made like made me want to watch other Kevin Klein movies because Kevin Klein was in them. I'm going to have to put that on Facebook to find out what Kevin Klein movie made you fall in love with Kevin Klein. Because everybody loves Kevin Klein. Well, no, like, and I, I realized that I had seen other Kevin Klein, but, like, it might be also, it might have also been the first one that I truly recognized, like... Oh, that's Kevin Klein? Yes. Yeah. Because I had seen other Kevin Klein movies, like, in and out and other things, but I don't remember if I saw them yeah. before that. It's like, for me, the guy who plays Theseus in that movie, um, I can never remember his name, but he is forever the guy who played Captain Keller in The Miracle Worker, because that was the first thing that I was saw the, Yeah, in. that was the thing you remember. So, it's, it's hey, look, it's Captain Keller. Um, anyway. But no, like, I, I, I think that that was the first movie that made me realize who Kevin Klein was. Yeah. Like, I saw Kevin Klein in other things, but that film adaptation of Midsummer was what made me go, okay, that's who Kevin Klein is. That is the guy. And he was, because he's fucking amazing. Yeah, no, he's wonderful. Um, no, I, I love him in everything. Like, everything I've seen Kevin Klein in, he's delightful. But I think it was that movie that was, was what first. made me go, okay, this is Kevin Klein. Moving on. Yeah, to, we need to, we, need, we yeah, do need to move on. Four, scene one. Speaking of bottom, um, this is bottom with the fairies being absolutely sickening, and Titania being absolutely sickening. Oh yeah, where he's being waited on hand. And yeah, foot hand and, and foot, and trying to make like funny little word plays out of all the fairies' names, he's and the it's worst. awful. Um, and like, so, of the guys who could have hit on you at the bar, he is the one who's like, mm, "I'm sorry, my mom's calling. I have to go home." The fastest. Yeah. But he's such a great character. Yes, he's he's the worst, but he's also so such and, a great yeah, character. Yeah. We can we can definitely spend some time parsing and we will. Nick Bottom next episode. Um but so Oberon comes in after Bottom and Titania have gone to sleep. He goes, My evil plan has worked. I have the boy while she was distracted with the ass man. Because she was having the ass <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm often distracted by a good ass man. <laughs> <laughs> Oberon is <laughs> I'm sorry, audience. You missed the fantastic dance that just happened here in my kitchen. <laughs> Oberon has stolen the boy, and so I he goes. Look at you. He drops the the antidote into Tanya's eyes. She wakes up. She sees the donkey dude in her bower with her, and she goes, "What has happened?" And Oberon's like, "Come uh, with me. I'll tell you all about it." I'll tell you all about the ass. Man. I took videos of you. <laughs> <laughs> so many snaps. I made some Snapchats of you with the ass man. And so, Puck returns Bottom to his human state and dumps him at the edge of the forest. Um, and so he then, goes to catch up with his dudes. Yeah, oh, that's scene two. So, but does. at the end of scene he leaves one, and he's just like, uh, yeah. At the end of scene one, well, he has no idea. Theseus, and, he still never yeah, figures out. He never that he knows has, what yeah. happened. Yeah, Theseus and Aegeus though have come in search of the lovers. And they find them all and napping in the woods And find them together. all napping in the woods together. In their hoe garden. Intertwined. <laughs> Intertwined. And Theseus is like, well, this is an interesting turn of events. And Aegeus is like, Demetrius, get up, be angry. Lysander stole your bride away. And Demetrius is like, uh, actually, I can't explain it, 
I changed I'm, my mind. I, yeah, I've changed my mind. Again. I'm in love with Helena now. And Peace is like, oh, okay, good. Looks like this is all sorted out then. We're going to have a triple wedding. And Apollo won't murder me in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you just deal with it? And I love it. Just suck it. Suck it, nerd. <laughs> eventually, Theseus comes to the conclusion, I'm the Duke. I can do what I want. <laughs> he looks at, at Aegeus and he's like, yep, suck it, nerd. What you want is not what's happening. It's like, you're going to come, you're going to get married with me. It's going to be great. So our plot is all resolved. Yeah, and scene two is Bottom right. reconnecting with the mechanicals. Right. So the mechanical sitting around going, where is Bottom? We can't perform without so, Bottom. He's lost. We can't find him. And then he shows oh, up. Because they didn't know that. They also didn't know that the ass was Bottom. Yes. Yes. And he, Bottom's whole thing has been, I've had the strangest dream. And I will get Peter Quince to write a play about it. And his plan is for Peter Quince to write this, like, ballad and for him to basically perform it at curtain call of the performance of Bedroom's Wedding. I'm going to perform the scene of me and my dream about being with the Queen of the Fairies. I'm going to tell people about my dreams on stage. When they can't flee. At the end one of Act Four, <laughs> at the end of Act Four, our plot is completely wrapped it's done. up. It's we're finished. We're done. But we have an entire other act to go, and it, it which is which is the best act in the play. It is the wedding. It is the wedding, which is pointless at this point. The, the wedding itself doesn't matter. It's the what reception. matters is what comes after at the reception, because we finally get. The best scene in the entire play. Yeah. Are you the tragical comedy. Well, the the philostrate comes in first. The philostrate. He's yeah, got the of list course. of all the possible acts. Then he presents it to Theseus, and he's like, "What would you like to see performed?" And Theseus is reading through things, and going, "No, nah, we don't want any part of that. I don't no, want this. Don't want I don't that. want, I don't want this. that." He's like, "What's this? The tragical a comedy, a brief, merry." He's like, what is this? And the Philistine's like, no, 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 it's real bad. You don't want to watch it. It's real bad this. and you don't want to see it. And Theseus is like, no. No, give me that we, shit. We do want to see it. <laughs> I am actually a give me ST3K and I would like to see it. Give me game. that shit. I want this tragical comedy shit. Give it to me. It is B-movie night. Oh my god, but it's so B-movie night. And what's so good, and actually, really, we've, we've talked about the that particular adaptation so many times. But... That adaptation is so the fucking the mechanical scene is so good in it. Mm-hmm. It becomes instead of it becomes a great comedy instead of being a terrible play. But it also becomes so tragic. The way that it is felt, the way that like the tears and like it's a heartfelt. It, it really scene. depends on how it gets directed, and I loved how they did it in. I love how they do it in that film adaptation. I think it is so so good because everybody is laughing at the mechanicals, except the mechanicals who are taking themselves Who's very taking themselves seriously. So seriously. And but I love the color commentary that we get from oh, yeah, you get, Theseus you get, yep. and Lysander and Demetrius as they're watching. Everybody who's watching it makes a comment. Yeah. But the so, mechanicals themselves are just, they're trying to perform their art, and it matters. So, synopsis within a synopsis. Brief rundown of the events of the tragical comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. It's like the Fantastics meets great- Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pyramus lives on one side of the wall, and Thisbe, Thisbe lives on the other. On another. 
And in the moonlight, they see each other through a chink. Through a chink. A chink. A and chink. they fall in love, and they make plans to meet elsewhere, and Fisbee gets there first, and then a lion shows up. And attacks oh. Pyramus. No, it attacks, attacks Fisbee. Fisbee, but doesn't kill her. Just no, like, Fisbee escapes. Main, main but she leaves her scarf behind. Which and is it covered is in blood. Blood stained. Blood! I'm sorry. I am not like, I think he said that on blued. 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 is blued. Blood! Because the entire show within a show is performed in rhyme. Actually, pin in that because I got an interesting point to bring up about the rhyming bit. I'm looking she forward to it. She does, in fact, it. have an entire bulletin board with pins <laughs> of things we have to talk about later. Yes. She fought a homeless guy to put that up. <laughs> Chase was only homeless till they signed the lease. <laughs> but it counts. Anyway, so then Pyramus sees the bloodstained scarf and in an overreaction Blood that stained. is... Wondrous to behold. It is blue stained. Yes, blue stained. Um, he decides that his Thisbe must be dead, therefore he must die. And uh, because his favorite character is Desdemona, he stabs himself and then continues to and drags it out. Drags it is, out. It, is it Desdemona or is it Antony? Because let's face it. Oh yeah, Desdemona it could be Antony. Could be Antony. It could very well be Antony. Antony's death was over two scenes. <laughs> Antony's death was scenes. Yes, Desmona, one scene. Anthony, scenes. Scenes, plural. He's um, so bad at stabbing himself. He's so bad at stabbing himself that it took him two scenes to die. What happened when he stabbed himself? No. He's in a razzie for self-murder? This is the best um, death speech of all time. I love it. No, when it's tears great. come found, out sword and wound, the pap of Pyramus. I, that left pap. Where heart doth hop. Thus I die. Thus, thus, thus. Now am I dead. Now am I fled. My soul is in the sky. Tongue lose thy light. Moon take thy flight. That's right. Now die. 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 Except, except, like, you can really, like, Thisbe's death after that, like, if you, if you, if you treat this truly as a play within a play, and you direct the mechanicals to put their all into it, Mm -hmm. you can really make that, like, that death, and then also Thisbe, when she discovers Pyramus... Can be truly heartbreaking. It can be very moving, which is how they do it in the film version, the 1998 film version. And it's very powerful. It's oh, Sam okay. Rockwell playing Thisbe flute. The I don't know, but it's. It, I, I actually think I it's Oscar, Oscar winning Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I think so. Oscar winner Sam Rockwell. I think it might be. Yeah. Are you, are you on the IMDb's? Yeah, I got um, But yeah, so, so Thisbe comes out and she sees. Uh, you know, Pyramus dead, so she kills herself, and that's briefly. But so in, in that in that particular adaptation, it's heartbreaking. But it can be. It like, can if be you, played if you, purely for laughs. If you if you if you direct what it starts directly for laughs, it starts for laughs mm-hmm. in the film version that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But no, if you direct that, if you like, if you direct it, if you approach it as if you're directing two plays, if you're directing a Midsummer Night's Dream. And you're directing the tragical comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. Mm-hmm. You can make Pyramus and Thisbe whatever you want it to be. Yeah. During Midsummer Night's Dream, and I'm biased. 
My favorite part of the show is the tragical comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. What? I'm biased. I love it. I can't help it. I fully admit that it is, in my opinion, the best part of the entire show is everything that has to do with the mechanicals, mm-hmm. especially the final performance. But it doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you make it a comedy, if you make it a tragedy, if you make it a tragical, tragical comedy. It doesn't matter how you do it. In my opinion, if you put good actors in those roles, no matter how small they are, Bottom is the only one that's a big role. Yeah. Or a decent-sized role. All the other ones are small. All the other mechanicals are small roles. But I honestly would put some of my best actors in those roles because you're going to get so much out of that. Yeah. That scene alone, let alone all the scenes where they're rehearsing and everything else, but those scenes deserve good actors. It's true. And I have to say, my favorite, I think, of the mechanicals, at least in the the Pyramus and, and Thisbe, is uh, Moonshine. I love Moonshine. Uh, because <laughs> just, like just moonshine. all I have to say is that is to tell you that this lantern is the moon, I the man in the moon, this thornbush, my thornbush, and this dog, my dog. And this he's dog, like so dumb. My dog, he's so... Because he's, everybody's got... You can tell that he's the guy who well, he's tried to guy. say... He tried to say... Not everybody needs a prologue. You don't need to explain what everything is, guys. We don't need an actual moon. Fine. I'm the man in the moon. This is the moon. I'm just done. Of course. And then, then of course, everything cleans up to finish up. We're, we're at the end. We're at the end. This is the end. Everything then, finishes up. And it does finish up with the greatest, one of the greatest If we shadows have offended. Think of this and all is mended. Has ever happened in Shakespeare, and it was in English, I think, you know, if we shadows have offended, think of this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here, while, while these, these visions, visions did appear. appear. And this weak and idle theme, no more yielding, but, but a dream. dream. And it's basically, it's a And really, if I am an honest puck, and if we have an honored oh, puck. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not straight the serpent's tongue. Oh, I mean, Trace, I, you're cheating. The rest yes, of us I are am. doing it without looking at I mean, I, I, yeah, I, 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 go, I go to the text if I have to, but I, I know most of it. Give me your hands if we be friends. And, and Robin, Robin shall restore a man. And it's a really clever device because that's how every other problem in this play was resolved. Was, Magic. It was just a dream. Yep. So the lovers think it was just a dream. And Bottom thinks it was just a dream. And so it's kind of carrying that device through to the audience going, if you didn't like this... It didn't happen. It's just a dream. Yeah. Just a dream. It was just a dream. You spent yeah. a couple pennies. You came here, you watched this, it was, it was, it was a dream. It was a dream, don't worry about it. But it is one of the greatest speeches. We'll get to it in episode two, because I'm totally going to do the whole thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, um, but no, it's one of the greatest speeches that Shakespeare ever wrote. And it's uh, and honestly, it's one of the best farewells from a play that's in any I think any it's play. up there with Prospero's. Oh yeah, and I love. I, I mean, I love Prospero's. I um, don't get. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Prospero breaking his staff is amazing. Yeah. As far as postlogs go, it's iconic. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. As, as far as I have a log to a play, I mean, you can't beat it. It's really well done, and like I said, I, I the 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 Prospero also Prospero breaking his staff. Um, and everything that's amazing as well, and it fits right up there. This, they're same level. You fit right up there. Mm. All right. Yeah. 
I don't know what that means. I don't on either. that note, we're good. You were going but on. yeah, but that's Midsummer. It's actually a pretty straightforward. For play. being a play being... that is not straightforward, it is very straightforward. It's, yeah. So we've we've talked a lot about a bunch of different weird plays before this one. When you talk about Midsummer Night Dream, you're like, oh, it's you know the king and queen of the fairies and the duke, and then there's these things, and then like. The people don't know who they're in love with. It should be the weirdest one. It's, it's the weirdest play that's not weird. Yeah, it's hijinks ensue, but they're straightforward hijinks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely hijinks. There's lots of them. So, in my mind, this play was written in a weekend. Well, and that's why it's why it's why a Midsummer Night's Dream is probably the most popular it's, of Shakespeare's yeah, plays because it's. Yeah. Easy to understand. It's more popular it's than any accessible. of his other plays. It's very accessible. And, and it's, it's just happy. fun. Yeah, it's happy. It's like, like, well, and it's a, it's a romance. It's a romance. Everything happens within the span of three days, four and there's days. a wedding. Three. <laughs> four. Three is a romance. It's four days until the wedding. The last day of the play. Is Everything the happens in the span of three days, and then there's yeah. a wedding. And it, it's a yeah, romance. It's, this is the actual definition of where the romance. I comes understand, from. but at the beginning of the play, they say it's four days to the wedding, and then we end the play with a wedding. But it's three days and then a wedding. Anyway, anyway. oh right, <laughs> that was worse than any of my segues. No, it wasn't. But I think that is why. I think that's why that this is one of the more popular ones is because it's easy to understand, it's easy to follow, and the stakes aren't that high. Even in the other plays that you can think of as being fun, lighthearted plays, there's still some of them like, are like some, we're gonna kill somebody. Yeah, like no somebody's gonna what. die if this doesn't happen, or I have to keep my identity a secret because they might kill you me. Know. Whereas with this one, it's like Dad wants me to marry someone, or he I die. Says I'll die, but it's mostly just bluster because it, the Duke makes it pretty. He's perfect. not he's gonna, gonna kill, kill me. So, and but it's it, there's the stakes aren't that high, so you can you can just kind of sit back. I, I really do feel like this is one of Shakespeare's plays that really fits the term of being a comedy in the modern sense because it's funny. It's funny. It's lighthearted. Um, Stanley Tucci's in it. Stan- well, <laughs> what, in the, not, in, not the, in every version of the play, I, but in one. I'm pretty sure Stanley Tucci was in one of the ones I was in. <laughs> was he? We that have, might have been Trina. We should have gone. It was no, Trina. because now, if you didn't introduce me to Stanley Tucci <laughs> and you knew him, we've got problems. Dave was a good one. So I'm looking at your Facebook poll that you made. Okay. Yeah, Dave is a good one. Yeah. Dave is a good one. In and out is an all. I mean, I did make a Facebook poll to find out how people loved Kevin, Kevin Klein. Okay. Like I said, I think like I said, I still think the movie that made me fall in love with Kevin Klein was the film adaptation of this. Because I don't know what of his that I remember seeing before this. Right. But I know what I have seen since then in movies like Dave, In and Out, and stuff like that I saw after. So is there anything else that we need to add to this no, episode? No, I think no, we can really go ahead and, and call this episode and move on to... Right. I feel like there's nothing divisive. What, this was episode, episode have... 17? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. We, yeah. yeah Holy shit, 17 episodes. In this one. Nobody argued really about anything that was worthwhile. No, because we, we... I it's think just, we all... There's not a lot... Like, I love this play, but it's the cotton candy of Shakespeare plays. Oh, yeah. There's it is. nothing it's, it's, really to sink your teeth into. It, in will, this it will never be my favorite comedy, but if somebody's going, somebody's like, hey, you want to go catch the dream somewhere? I'm like, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, of course, I want to see it. Yeah. 
You guys it's never going to be my favorite comedy, but I'm always going to go, you know, if somebody goes, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. What? I've only ever been in it. Oh, I've seen like 18 movies. Uh, I was say, one of my favorite yeah. film adaptations. One of my favorite I've stage. Seen it, I've, seen the, I've seen it like film, but I've never seen it stage. One of my favorite stage adaptations is of this play. Like and we'll this, talk about that. We'll talk about that. When we get into yeah, yeah, yeah. This and Much Ado. This and Much Ado. These are the two that I've seen the most. Yeah, Much Ado is another one that, you know, like yeah. if you look at me and go, hey, uh, I got an extra ticket to go see Much Ado. Of course. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I'm in. Not me. I got an extra ticket to see Much Dream. Ado. Much Ado. You're wrong. You're just wrong. I'm sorry. All right, I've seen so it too many times. there's I'm, no such thing as too many times with right. either of these. Places. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfill. And I'm Chase Greenley. And this has been Shakespeare episode seventeen. Seventeen, something like that. Seventeen. Yeah, 17. And oh shit! Don't we have some new things? To talk oh about? yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you, dear. Yeah, no, uh, by the time you've listened to this, because I've already done it, uh, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter. Oh, excited! And this episode releases on the 4th of July, so America. Oh, yeah, America! And oh, America. happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Cassie. Cassie and actually, recently it was Cassie and Chase's anniversary. And before that was Chase's birthday. Chase's birthday. Chase, Chase hit the dirty 30. Yeah, the we dirty. should have bought him a Miller High Life 30 pack. We should. We should have bought him a dirty 30 <laughs> for his 30th birthday. That's too bad. I drove up on our friend Mike's lawn on his 30th birthday and threw a pack of Miller High Life at him. You threw, didn't you throw Red Dog at him? We met. That wasn't his 30th birthday. Okay. All right, so, so what is our Twitter? The Twitter uh, is at ShakespearePod. I believe so. At ShakespearePod on Twitter. And I believe it's probably something similar on Facebook. I will actually have a lot, all of that information. But you can find us, you can actually episode. find specifically, like, you can find, you, you've always been able to find Lion Face Productions on social media for the last... Seven or eight years, nine years, I don't know. It's been a while. But now you can actually specifically seek out our podcast on social media, uh, the Shakespeare Podcast. So it's at Shakespeare Pod on Twitter. And if I'm wrong, Chase will fix it and post. Mm hmm. I really hope that he uses some sort of like mechanical like voice. Like robot voice? <laughs> yeah. I hope even if I'm right, Chase I, fixes it with a robot voice. At this point, I really hope he's actually stopped recording the podcast. And he's just going to robot voice everything. <laughs> no, it is at Shakespeare Pod. At Shakespeare Pod. Nice. That is spelled S-H-A-K-E-S-B-E-E. This I'm cutting. B-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-